Welcome to Sports and Stogies. Now, introducing your hosts, Cameron Winklewitz and Austin Hayes. Of the Philippines. Uh, it's a Philippine folklore creature that is legitimately just a tree giant that seems very menacing. And, but he doesn't do anything besides just look at you if you see him. But they have this thing where you can't see them unless they like you. So why do they call him the caper? I don't know. That's probably just the Philippian name for tree giant. Check out. Um, they, uh, they're hardcore pranksters. Tell so us a little bit. I was doing a little bit of digging. And it's said that they take campers and just put them in trees while they're sleeping and then just leave them there. They wake up all confused on like, where they're at. Like inside of trees? Like up no, in like the tree? on a tree branch. Okay. And then like while you're hiking, they'll just make you get confused on where you are, like magically, for like five minutes. So I've been capered like 15 times then. I've been yeah. 15 times today. And... uh they say when you see an abundance of fireflies in the uh, in the woods, that it's actually the ashes from a caper cigar or pipe tobacco, because their pastime during the day is hanging out on the tops of trees, playing cards and gambling and drinking and smoking with their friends. So are we not all capers? Then? <laughs> it's definitely my spirit animal. I think in a past life we may have been capers. We probably were. It's definitely a strong chance. It's still not too late for us to be them. Yeah, there's probably like a graduation program where you start off as a human doing the things capers do, and then eventually one just shows up at your door and says, hey, man, guess what? You're in. Gotcha. We uh, we heard about sports and stogies. <clears throat> we don't know what sports are, but we're into stogies. You're in. <laughs> Give you a new caper pipe. Dude, that'd be sick. Yeah, it said they, they hang out on like the tops of mango trees. So they're just sitting up there eating mangoes, drinking alcohol, smoking cigars, and playing poker. I don't think we have mango trees in Ohio, though. I don't think so. Not native, at least. We'd have to go uh, road traditional. Yeah, yeah, let's go, baby. I love that we start each episode now with folklore talk. I could do it every... This every could be week. our new thing. It really could be. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think you devote it. more time to folklore than you do probably any other thing in your life. Uh, Sports included. Uh, it's definitely close. You were dropping some great knowledge earlier about you know Norse folklore intertwining with yeah, Russian there's, folklore. Yeah, there's some stories that Hercules, Attila the Hut. Yeah, there there was a Sorry, story that the what the Hut or Hun Hun, Hun? Jabba the Hut there Jabba was, the Hut. Dude, <laughs> yeah, that, there was yeah. a story that intertwined between like some Norse, some Russian, and then Attila the Hun was involved, which is northern like northern Asian. And my favorite and probably the scariest, at least for me, was the. I think you said the Chinese myth of the the ghost sandal or the oh, it's called like the bakazuki or something, and it's the living sandal. The living sandal. So, and it's not just one; like any sandal could be a bakazuki. And basically, if you have a pair of sandals that you haven't worn in a long time, say there's only one. Well, it's because one of them was a bakazuki that just got tired of waiting on you to wear them. And he's out living his best life with doing whatever living sandals do. With other living sandals and household appliances that also came to life and left your house. So it's like Toy Story, but not toys. 
sandals, sandals and your and toaster stuff. and yeah. maybe your wooden spoon you forgot about. Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff. The Chinese got wild ideas, man. Yeah, I think that one was specifically Japanese. Because uh, they were like the samurai clogs. Because they talk about uh, three three wooden teeth, which is the three yeah. clog-like wooden on the bottom. And then they had two holes where the sandal straps would come down. And they said they have two black eyes. And where do you find all this stuff? I'll just be listening to podcasts, reading. I have a couple mythology books. I have a Japanese or a Chinese mythology book that goes through all of their stories. Uh, I have a Greek mythology I've read, Norse mythology I've listened to, a couple different audio books on uh, Audible. I've listened to Celtic mythology. I've listened to dark folklore. I've listened to uh, some Old West, some Wild Wild West stories. Uh, it's just so fascinating. Any cool North American, Ohio specifically folklore you come across yet? I know you were telling me about the Ohio Grassmen. I haven't dove into them yet, but there was uh, Pennsylvania. Has I wish I remember the name off the top of my head. But at the turn of the 20th century, they had a hunt for this pig that supposedly lives in the forests of Pennsylvania somewhere. And it's supposed to be the ugliest creature on the entire planet. It's a pig with very loose skin, boils, and all kinds of nasty stuff on it. And it it doesn't do anything. When you see it, it just cries because it doesn't want you to see how ugly it is. It's very self-conscious. Jesus. <laughs> and, like, they, again, when you capture it, if you put it in a bag, it just cries so much that it turns into tears and then eventually reforms as the pig after it cries itself through the bag. It's the most depressing folklore story of all time. Yeah, I just don't understand how like you come up with this stuff. Dude, I think I saw that guy at Best Buy the other day. <laughs> oh, oh, hey-o! <laughs> Did you just start crying when you looked at him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, pull up a chair. Pour up a drink. And light that cigar. Is this time for episode 32 of Sports and... Thanks, man, episode 31. Let me check my notes here. A couple pages missing. It is 31. You're right. Good correction there. I think we missed last week, right? I don't remember recording last week. We're on sabbatical. Yeah. Shane, any comment? Dude, you guys got too fucked up. You made the rules, dumbass. (laughs) And it was like four hours. Yeah, I think the one thing we were going to change is a bottle pull every ten minutes. That was just with how easy the rules were. Now we will come up with three new rules for the next show. And I do remember everything. I just wanted to make a little joke. Uh, Austin does too. But... I think we'll have to eliminate the pools every 10 minutes. A little, little hard, a little heavy. I think we go 15. Uh, you probably do 30 minutes. We'll bump it up. No, 30 minutes if we do a normal show. That's only like four pools. Depending on the rules. Yeah, with the rules. Yeah. With how consistent they were. Yeah. I mean, you got us. You hit the nail on the head with those those uh, rules there. Do you have any favorite highlight from last week, Shane? Oh my god, me baiting Cameron at 100% every like, five minutes. Yeah, you did that after you told us the rules. Yeah. Like, you got me with that after you told us. God, still. The puppet master over here. I forget which one I did. Oh, we were talking about Draymond and Shaq, and I'm like, so, yeah. if if Shaq and Draymond played, what's the field goal percentage? 100%. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. 
Uh, I think I was belligerent after an hour. No, I think you're actually very well composed. I think you're still well spoken, coherent. No, I was. But your ideas, you got stuck on a couple things, just kept on plowing. Yeah, but I, after, I think we took a break at around an hour. Remember, I couldn't even walk. We thought you peed yourself. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> yeah, I was belligerent drunk, but I could still formulate great opinions. You were mentally there, physically, maybe not so much. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, I, don't, I think one a month is uh, too much. Maybe once every two months, every three months. We do it one too many. Uh, we did consume a lot of alcohol. Yeah, we did. And we did half a bottle of Texas Straight. I've heard good feedback, though. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny listening back to it. It was definitely fun. <laughs> yeah. Until the after. <laughs> what? I, uh, you did just lay in bed and pass out like an old person? No, I vomited for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, episode 32 now officially begins. Can let's start finally getting the habit. Some real self-promo. Sorry about that. I was grabbing my cigar journal because I have all the facts written down about this cigar. Um, well, you know where to find us on social media. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. That uh, pretty much covers all the social media you guys are most likely on. If you guys are on any more, let us know. We'll make an account for that. I know we have a Reddit page. Uh, if we have any Redditors out there, we don't post in it. But it'd be a great way for you guys to reach out to us. Because there's nothing going on in it, we'd get the notifications and be able to pull it up immediately. Interact with you guys. It's a little more, I think Reddit's a little more personable than everything else. Uh, similar to Twitter, I think. So Reddit, also because it's anonymous, I think that you kind of have more leeway there. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so yeah, the Reddit page is... Sports and Stogies, everything else is Sports and Stogies. You know where to find us. And again, I want to reiterate, please leave reviews on whatever platform you're on. Uh, it helps us know what we need to improve on, but it also helps the show get more people interacted with it. The more reviews you have, the more you're in the algorithm, all that kind of thing. It'll help us out. It'll obviously help you guys out because if you leave a critical review... We fix what that critic, what you're criticizing us for, then it's a more enjoyable show for you as well. So, I think all around, and it's free. I mean, as long as you have an Apple account, a Spotify account, an Amazon account, I mean, odds are you do. So, free, completely free, helps us out, helps grow the show, and make the show better. So, everyone wins when you leave reviews. We always say any criticism is good criticism. Yes. <clears throat> so with that, Cam, what are we smoking on today? I have the EP Carrillo Pledge. Uh, it's a Habano, Connecticut wrapper. The binder is Ecuadorian and the filler is Nicaraguan. Uh, great burn and great draw so far. Uh, had a little crack in the wrapper towards the beginning, but it burned through just fine. It's a little uneven now, but it'll come in. Uh, here in the first third, I'm getting a lot of baking spices. Pretty sweet so far. Baking spices, cinnamon, <clears> that kind of thing. Uh, with some black cherry and cedar. Uh, very, very good. Yeah, one of my favorites. I think I smoked this one specifically on the show like six weeks ago. Um, EP, one of my favorite brands of that specifically. I think even one cigar of the year. Either last year or two years ago. So you should love that. We'll leave a high rating here at the end. Now, producer Shane. I'm smoking on the Perdomo Estate 
Selection. Ooh, and say, say that again. I said hello. Selection. Also rocking just the stash today? I am. Oh, I didn't have to because you got a new job. I did. I went in for my uh, my first ride time at the fire station. Pretty cool. Hell yeah. No beards allowed. Stash only. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Dude, it was rough. I'm doing EMS right now. I don't even need to put on my bunker gear. It'll come in. It'll come in. I'll be okay. So big congratulations to Shane for being officially on the uh, township payroll. Uh, not payroll yet. I'm waiting on one person to make one signature on the dotted line. Okay. Well, you have the job. <laughs> you're performing the job. Going yes. on ride-alongs, whatever. So we'll go ahead and give your congratulations now. I appreciate that, dude. Thank you, guys. Which means now we really don't have to pay you here. No. Exactly. Even You're better. Big bucks. No. What that? Uh, my uncle will appreciate that. He's a he's a lifelong firefighter himself. He retired a couple years ago from that in the military. Oh, dude, that's sweet. So he's got. I've got a lot of respect for firefighters from him, and he obviously respects the uh, job as much as the next guy will. So my uncle Sean, EMS firefighter himself, love to hear it. So you should garden so far. It's a perfectly even burn, dude. This is probably the best burn. Great that I've ash had. too. Yeah. Best burn, best ash that I've had on a cigar in forever. Uh, right now, I'm getting a lot of kind of sweeter notes. Um, a little bit of like a, I'm going to say caramel, but like a burnt sugar. Um, Which is caramel. Yeah, but it's like... Technically, yes. It's a dull caramel. Right. A little bit of earthy notes. Um, you know, great draw, though. This is probably the best draw I've ever had. So aside from the show, have you picked up cigars as a more frequent hobby? I have. Um, I just smoked the Macanudo Cafe, which was amazing. I, could, I can't tell if it was infused or not, but that was probably the most flavorful cigar I've ever had. Let the ash burn, man. You want a free ash, see what happens? Yeah. No, that, that, you can still save that. It's fine. But I yeah, mean, if it's holding tight, let it go. Yeah, let it go. So, <clears throat> the, uh, the Macanudo Cafe tasted like fresh baked Panera bread. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely recommend. It comes in like one of those little screw-off canister things. Packaging, amazing. Taste, amazing. Burn, amazing. Great cigar. I'll do a you know, look out for those. Oh, yeah. Austin, you are smoking the... The Sanj Patel SP1014 Red. Now, Sanj is a guy that basically took on the industry by himself. One of his other smokes is called legit the industry killer. They're all under 10 bucks. I've had, I think, four of them so far. Incredible sticks. Again, super affordable. Very well made. This is pure Dominican, wrapper, binder, and filler. Flavor-wise, a lot going on here. Heavy spice, cedar, some slight sweetness, kind of like a um, like a wheat hay note. Um, so far, great burn, excellent draw. Um, big fan so far. Good to hear. In the glasses, I've got Knob Creek Rye. It's 100 proof, about 30 bucks. It's a fairly legal rye, so it's like a 51% rye mash bill, heavy corn, so definitely sweeter. But still has that nice rye spice to warm you up. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of sipping rye as much as I like them in my old fashions or Manhattan. Um, I still like rye to a point, but if I have a different option, I'm going to go with that, which I did. I went with the Forrester 1920. Dessert in a glass. Which I have not sipped yet. Well, I think it's 
about that so, time. I would say it is about that time. It's 115 proof. I got a nice uh, sample <laughs> pour here because that's how I like to do the shows when I'm not getting belligerent. <laughs> Good whiskey like this, you got to take your time. First sip down in the mouth, down the gullet. Ooh, that's very good. Yeah. Very, uh, like you said, very desserty. You definitely get those uh, more fruity notes, the yeah. more caramel, all that kind of stuff. Not super hot either. For 115, it's actually, yeah, relatively so, mellow. Yeah, very good. Legit my second favorite bourbon. Now with that, we have three fan questions this week, all NBA-related. Starting off with, let's go. Now the season is over. Cam, who is your MVP of the league? Joel Embiid, one hundred percent. Even with the missed games, does it factor in for you? I don't think he missed enough for it to, in my opinion, to factor in. But securing the scoring leader, uh, dominating in the matchup versus Jokic that they did play in, again, you can say he dodged them, whatever. Dominating all the way up till the last game he played, and I think defensively better than Jokic. Not as versatile, but better at you know free throw line down. I think he's the best defender in the league free throw line down. Uh, I think he's the best scorer free throw line down, but he can also stretch the floor. I know him and Jokic roughly shoot the same three point percentage on. Pretty similar sample sizes, not too significant of a difference, which is kind of shocking because Jokic spends a lot more time at running point, so you would think he would shoot more threes, but he doesn't. Um, again, this is not a knock on Jokic's game. Uh, he's definitely one of the, probably the most versatile center we've ever seen as far as being consistent at it. But Embiid uh, yeah, has just had dominant years, three years in a row, and he had an even more dominant year this year than he did last year, it's time he's secured the bag. I think there's no wrong vote between the top three. I would still go Giannis, but I think he's in that LeBron and Jordan category where every year he could win. So for me, it's Embiid as well, just because he is that much better defensively than Jokic, like you mentioned. And even missing games, I don't think it matters enough. Not, I think it's finally his time, well-deserved. If he, he missed, if he missed, you know, 45 games, if he missed, say he even played 55% of the games, like if he wasn't over that 53 to 57 threshold, then I would say it's concerning. If he played 49 games, I wouldn't want to give it to him. Uh, if he played even like 50 games on the dot, I wouldn't want to give it to him, but playing 66, I mean, he's in that new standard for first-team All-Pro or first-team All-NBA. So I think he, and, you know, dealing with the constant injuries he does have, he's also picking up minutes every year. Uh, You can see the last three years, uh, 2020, 31 minutes, 2021, 30, 33 minutes, and this year, 34 minutes. And, again, last year, 68 games, 66 games this year. I got to give it to him. I mean, he's shown improvement every year when we didn't think it was really possible. And he may not be done improving. I mean, yeah, how much more can you improve? Like, maybe 
You know, he's historically shooting 37% from three. He shot 33 this year, but that's probably due to the sample size being higher. That's There's your room for improvement there. You can get back up to that 37 margin with your higher volume. But 33% is not terrible. That's probably a round league average. For a post-dominant center especially, I mean, I'll take that. He only shoots maybe three a game. He goes one for three, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. And I think if you've seen the numbers, Jokic's interior defense is among like the bottom five guys, not as centers, but guys entirely in the, in the whole league. People shoot like almost 70% on him on contested shots in the arc. Yeah, and that's, again, not really a knock to Jokic. His, his interior defense isn't that great. He's also not built to defend interior defense. He's built for fast-break defense. He's built for... You know, picking up guys at the three and preventing them from driving to the lane. He's really good at that. He's good at the, the perimeter defense a lot better than he is interior. So I don't knock him for his interior defense because I think he does make up for that on the perimeter. But with just how dominant Embiid is in the paint on both sides of the ball and being able to stretch the floor at a similar rate as Jokic offensively, not quite the playmaker Jokic is. I don't think we'll ever see a center yeah, that nobody is. is. right? I mean, maybe you got guys like Chet who are going to be spending pretty much all their time on the perimeter. You might see those guys be a little more efficient as far as playmaking goes just because they're not really banging in the paint at all. But, yeah, I think it's Embiid's award to lose. Shane, it's a Philly fan. I assume you agree. Oh, absolutely. I mean... <clears throat> Yeah, everyone's really close. I'd say you could give it to anyone, but I think with the amount of games played, the average, and just the overall dominance that Embiid has had this year, he's got to take it. Um, I mean, stat-wise, it's similar to what he's put up other years, but just comp versus the competition this year, I think I think he's got it for sure. And he's shooting a career high from before. Yeah, at fifty-four point eight percent. I have the stats pulled up. I didn't realize this. He's almost been in the league for 10 years now. That makes me feel old. Well, he spent a lot of his, like, I think his first five years battling injuries. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think you brought up a really good point. I mean, with him being on this upward trend for the past two, three years, this isn't the cap. I don't think we've reached the peak yet. Yeah, we don't know. Until we see a significant downfall, a significant, even just on the court, if we notice very blatant differences, I'm not going to say he's falling off. No, and I mean, next year I wouldn't put it past him to be shooting on like, you know, three, four threes a game, 37%. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to average 33 a year like this is the standard now. I think his floor is still that 28 to 30 margin. But that being your floor now, at a very high success rate around 50%, and, you know, 33 to 37% from three with 10-plus rebounds a game. And we're looking at as close to the second coming of Shaq with a jump shot as we can. Yeah. What <clears throat> is your SNS consensus MVP, Joel Embiid? Next question up. Which team do you most want to see lose in the playoffs? The Memphis Grizzlies. The Los Angeles Lakers. I was going to lean Phoenix. There's a toss-up between them and Memphis. I don't want to see Dylan Brooks win a playoff series. Or a playoff game. I can handle a playoff game, maybe two, 
Maybe three, but I do him not want to see them win the series. Against LeBron especially? Yeah, but if you lose the series, it doesn't matter. You don't, want, goes, to give, you don't want to give Dylan Brooks that. There goes all your bragging rights. Dylan Brooks, take your five points per game against LeBron and shove it up your ass. Because you lost the series. Nothing against Ja either, even with the trouble he had this season. Or Jaron Jackson it's, Jr. or Steven Adams. Or anyone else on the team, it's just Dylan Brooks. There's still not enough to cancel out Dylan Brooks. No. As much as I'd love to see Dylan Brooks lose, I just I really don't want to see 500 posts from Bleacher Report and everyone else about how good the Lakers are because they beat the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, you didn't see 500 posts from those sources for them beating the Timberwolves. That's a play-in game. This is a play-off game. It's still the same intensity. It's not. It is. Especially if they take down the Grizzlies. It's not like your final regular season game. This is it. You win. You lose, you're done. You win, you're in. Yeah, but I mean... And I think those are honestly the intensity of, like, game sevens. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. As I, I still don't want to see I hate seeing Lakers fans on Instagram. It's the most... I'd say it's second only Cowboys fans. Ooh. Usually the same people. Yeah, they are. They are. And then... Yeah. Yeah. No uh, no Warriors for team? No. no. I think it's kind of there in their like, second dynasty sort of stage. Which is a great segue into our next fan question. I set that right up. Where does Steve Kerr rank all-time amongst head coaches? Because I never really hear get enough credit for their success. So <clears throat> this came from a stat that I found the other day where Steve Kerr has Never lost to a Western Conference team in a playoff series as a head coach. Their playoff losses are both in the finals, one against the Cavs in 2017 or 2016, one against the Raptors in 2019. Uh, 2020 and 2021, they did not make the playoffs, and obviously last year they won it all. So I think you could give Steve Kerr the best postseason head coach, he could probably be up there in the top three. Uh, but I don't think anyone will ever top Pop as the best regular season head coach of all time. And even Pop's success in the playoffs and postseason is still very good. Oh, of course, yeah. But I think Kerr might be the most successful coach as of now in the postseason. Yeah, I've heard it said that he kind of inherited that roster when he first got hired. But whether it's true or not, he still went and won four titles with him so far. Yeah, and he's managed to keep the same guys despite how big of personalities they are. I mean, this is the... You can call them a super team if you want, but... Not this game. Not think. anymore. I mean, you couldn't call them a super team. Their, their one super team here was with Kevin Durant. Like, those two years that they had Kevin Durant, you can call them a super team. I'll give you that. But... Curry was drafted by the Warriors. Clay was drafted by the Warriors. Draymond was drafted by the Warriors. They haven't acquired any other superstars aside from Kevin Durant for two years. And I'd say keeping all those people on the same team as long as they have is a testament to Steve Kerr. Yeah, when he took over. Yeah. I want to see how he does when those guys are all actually gone. If he can build up a second dynasty. Not to the degree that he had the first time, of course. That's a very high bar to be set. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're never going to have another Steph Curry. Steph might play until he's 45. You may never have another Clay Thompson. Or Draymond. At least the prime Clay Thompson. 
being just as good of a shooter as Steph Curry, not at the same volume, but percentage-wise. Draymond, hate him or not, you're never going to have another Dennis Rodman, which is what Draymond is. And he brings that tenacity. He brings that, and I, he's their team. He's the team's leader. So you are putting a lot on the shoulders of the next person that tries to fill Draymond's shoes because you have to assume the leadership role. You have to assume being okay with being that Dennis Rodman-style player. Scoring six points a game. With 13 rebounds and 17 assists and six steals and three blocks. Like, you have to be okay with that. And you have to draft with that in mind. Like, it's hard these days to draft players into roles because everyone wants that $300 million contract. Everybody wants that Supermax, that Max, which you can get being a fantastic role player, and I think a lot of people overlook that. Like I said last week, because I remember all my arguments, we are in a highlight reel generation. That's what we want to see. That's what players want to do. And look at John. He is a walking highlight reel. Look at a lot of these top players. The only few that aren't, Jokic isn't really a highlight reel guy. And... Giannis isn't really a highlight real guy. I think he gets them just because he's that athletic and that much of a freak. LeBron has tons of highlights. You can say he's going for it or not, or it could come natural. I mean, that's the other thing, too. It's like highlights now do come nat- more naturally because everyone's more athletic. So it's bound to happen. But you also see people searching for these opportunities at highlight reels. We saw it in March Madness, the kid doing the windmill dunk and missing. He did that to be the highlight of that game. There's no other reason you don't just do a two-hand easy slam. So it's going to be very difficult to get people into their roles and settle in, I think. We'll see if Steve Kirk can pull that off. Which segues right into the NBA, not starting NFL this week. For the first time, I think, ever. We do have NFL news, but playoffs take precedent. Before that, a couple of stories you want to mention. A lot of things here to talk about with the final games, regular season, play-ins, Mavs. Uh, well, we'll start playoff-related. So we got Paul George out for the first, maybe first round of the playoffs, depending on how long that goes. Uh, definitely the first probably three games. So we'll see if the Clippers can hold on to the series with that. Playoff Kawhi is a completely different animal. So I definitely have faith, especially with how great Russell Westbrook's been playing with the Clippers. Uh, Finally letting him do what Russell Westbrook does instead of trying to change him into a player he's not like the Lakers did. So I definitely still have high hopes for the Clippers there. Uh, First time since... Uh, Chris Paul, Jamal Crawford, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin that I can say I want to see the Clippers win. And I think they're talented enough to win. Even without PG. Even without Paul George. Yeah. Even against KD and D-Book. It's going to be a tough series, but I think Kawhi is a good matchup for KD, about as good as it can get. Uh, I think Russell Westbrook's a good matchup for Devin Booker. And again, these guys in the playoffs are very great players. And nothing against Phoenix. They're also very great players in the playoffs. But I think a lot of it's going to ride on Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. 
and we've seen them not do so hot. A sneaky matchup inside, Aiden against Anika Zubak. Who is definitely flies under the radar as a very good center. Much more physical than Aiden is. Yeah. Not the offensive threat, potentially. However, Aiden can spread the floor. So that is kind of, could be Avika's downfall. Because he is not the fastest, he's not the most athletic. And I will say, Aiden does have a quicker first step. Aiden can get positioning offensively a little better because he's an offensive-minded point guard. Uh, I think that's where Avika needs to improve is his offensive positioning. I think that will ultimately, if you have great offensive positioning, you'll see with Steven Adams, it leads to you being a great defender because you know what that player is going to do. You know when their foot goes on the outside of your left foot, you know where they're going, you know what they're trying to do. Now, that being said, that also leaves hooks and post fades wide open if you bite too hard on those knowing what they're going to do. The post is a very difficult place to guard and play defense. I don't think people realize that. It's not as prevalent anymore as it used to be. Correct. But, I mean, if you're biting on a drop step, post fade wide open. If you're biting on a post fade, drop step wide open. I mean, there's so many mind games you play as a post player that leads to guys like Joel Embiid, guys like Jokic, guys like Aiden being very good at scoring on the interior no matter who's guarding them. So, but yeah, I think the Clippers are definitely a very scary team, even without Paul George. Hopefully he doesn't miss too many. Hopefully he can come back in that first series. I think it's going to go to seven. So they're definitely going to need him by game seven. But I think they can hold their own through six. At least the first four. I think it could be a 2-2 split or a 3-1. So, it's going to be a fun series to watch for sure. Must-see TV. Clipper Suns. Next item up, what do you got? Um, we'll go back to uh, regular season now. Finish that up real quick. Uh, Luca crushing trade rumors, saying he's very happy where he's at. Um, not happy with what the front office has done, but he is very happy as a Dallas Maverick. Do you believe it? I do. I think he would be very honest. He's got no reason to lie. If he wanted to trade, he would say he wants to trade. I mean, like even Giannis talked about, he very much talked to the front office and very much considered retiring in 2020. Could you imagine? No. But he said he talked to the front office and everything. So, I mean, these guys are very honest about what their plans are for the future. So if they wanted to trade... If Luca wanted to trade, we would know for sure he would not have said that he didn't want. So, yeah, whether or not we get players in the offseason to go around Luca well, rumor has it they're very upbeat and optimistic that they'll be able to re-sign Kyrie. Uh, I'm not too sure how I feel about that yet. Um they didn't play great together this year, but with an offseason to work with, a lot of team building, team bonding, a lot of chemistry being made, you could see them come back better, or you could see them come back worse. I mean, there's really no telling. Um, and sticking with them, do you want to talk about the tanking allegation at all? I'm, I really am curious to see how that investigation goes, because there was no reason to pull Luka. 
after 13 minutes. Because if you were, if your intention was to rest him and that shut him down for the year, you would have done what the Blazers did with Damian Lillard. You would have said, we're shutting down him for the last five games. You don't just pull him in the la- after the first quarter of the regular, last regular season game. It doesn't make any sense. So they're looking into it. If it comes through that they were tanking, I think they might lose their first-round pick. So, yeah, that was the other thing. If they won that game, they're out of the lottery, which means their pick goes to the Jazz. If they stayed in the lottery, then they get to keep their potential top ten wherever they're at pick. So that could be very detrimental. Getting no news on that yet, but when it does come out, if they find something or not, we'll work with you guys now. Um, one good note from the final day of the regular season. How about your boy, your Donis Haslam? Ended, ended the regular season on a high note. Ended his career on a high yeah, note. Yeah, ended his career. Well, he's still in, technically. I don't know if he'll actually play in the playoffs, but I like it. I mean, he was pulling threes. He shot very well. I think he hit three threes. Yeah, he was like three for seven. He shot like nine for 12. He had 24 points, season high or career high. Just went out there and had fun in his last game. And Heat Lifer. Uh, props to him for that after the collapse of so many different teams. And props to them for keeping him around. Yeah. As well. Well, I mean, he wasn't begging for a bunch of money or anything. He was, he just loved Miami, loved playing for the Heat, loved playing for Eric Spolstra. Loved coaching these young guys. Pretty coaching much. these young guys, especially when Bam got drafted. I bet you he was ecstatic. I mean, I love vet stories like that, man. Could you imagine if Carmelo stayed with the Knicks and coached some of these young guys they have now? They go all the way. I mean, there's just so many opportunities you have for stories like that that guys just throw away. So, love to see it. Definitely brings uh, joy to my heart to see Haslam sticking it out, riding it out with the heat, no matter how bad they got. And willing to, obviously, put his pay, put his... Honestly, it's kind of his career on the sideline. For the majority of his career, just coaching up young players as a veteran. Um, aside from that, a couple more regular season things. We have KD being the first ever 55-40-90 player ever. Uh, that is 55% from the floor, 40% from three, 90% from free throw. Uh, then in 47 games, knock him if you want. There's still nobody that's ever done that through 47 games, let alone an entire season. Um, we have Giannis being the first ever 30, 10, and 5 on 55% shooting ever. Uh, the closest was Wilt, who... Was somewhere between 50 and 55 shooting. Yeah. But never quite got that 55 mark, and Giannis did it in 60 something games. So you got to give him full credit there, no matter who you are. Uh, got James Harden, uh, 14 consecutive playoffs, which I think is his entire career. Not a single miss. And counting, um, which is the highest among active players. Very impressive, especially on those bad Rockets team he was on for so long. But he was scoring champ three years in a row. Yeah, and MVP once and whatnot, maybe twice. Uh, right after he won sixth man of the year with the Thunder, moved straight to the Rockets the next year, took him to the playoffs as the, the main guy. So 
props to him. And I think my most impressive, especially in this day and age, we have McCall Bridges finishing his fifth straight year of never missing an NBA game. With one extra. With one extra, 83 games this year, which is absurd. Obviously, that's never happened. Is that like, what, 360 straight right now? Yeah, like 360-something straight. The next closest is like 130, maybe. Can you bet on that in FanDuel? He'll play all 82 next year again. Uh, I hope so. It's still locked in right now. That'd be a good prop bet. Now, do you want to mention the, the Rudy Gobert incident? That happened the last game of the regular season. It's been squashed, but we can talk about it. I know he punched Kyle, or swung. I don't know if he connected. It was a graze. But uh, he definitely knocked Kyle Anderson's hairline back about three inches. <laughs> it was already seen. pretty far back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they have both talked about it. Uh, it is kind of ironic because he did tweet something out about Draymond punching Jordan Poole. So Draymond tweeted out the exact same thing. He's always got receipts. So that's kind of funny. But uh, they've already squashed it, so that's good to see. Should be back for the next playing game. I think he got a one-game suspension. I think even worse, though, was the other punching incident for McDaniels, who punched a wall in the, in the locker room or in the, the tunnel and messed his hand up. He's out, I think, the rest of the postseason. Yeah, he broke his hand on a wall. You just got to be able to control your emotions there. Now, he said there was like a fabric sheet. He didn't know there was a, there was a wall behind it. So okay. maybe you can give him some leeway there. A little bit. But still not the smartest thing to do. Right. Which, punching your teammate obviously isn't the smartest thing to do either. But at least you're not breaking your hand on your teammate's face, you know. Maybe he thought Rudy Gobert was behind that fabric. So he's hiding back there after the question. <laughs> I'm going to get revenge now. Uh, kind of reminds me of those videos. You ever see like uh, when people are, they turn the shower on, they leave, and they say, caught my shower, go slacking, and they just fly at the shower curtain? I'm not. Dude, there's some very hilarious videos, but it kind of reminds me of that when you said oh, there was a shoot there, <laughs> just swinging at the shower ghost. <laughs> Do you see Rudy Gobert in your shower? It's not a good thing. <laughs> You would um, see him over the shower, I'd hope. He's squatting down. <laughs> I want to mention your biggest gripe. Jabari Smith Jr. Um, yeah. So, Paolo Bancaro, is, like we know, has been the favorite to win Rookie of the Year pretty much all year. However, he's not even the best player at his position, in my opinion. Rookie. Not the best rookie at his position. Jabari Smith Jr. is the first rookie ever to put up 1,000-plus points, 500-plus rebounds, 50-plus blocks, and 100-plus three-point minutes. These are totals. I know they, they don't look like that on the season averages or whatever. But at some point, you have to look at that. You have a rookie power forward going head-to-head with another rookie power forward. Yeah, Paolo might have scored six more points a game on average. But you have a guy that just set an NBA rookie record. Never been done before. And he's probably not going to win rookie of the year. Do you think Paolo had it, quote-unquote, locked up so early that we just stopped looking at that race entirely? I think there's definitely a good chance of that. I think he definitely hit a slump, too. Mid-season rookie slump. I mean, we see it all the time. But you have guys like Jalen Williams, Jaden Ivey, and 
Jabari Smith, who stayed consistent throughout the entire year. Yeah, they had highs, but their lows were very much, their floor was way higher than Alaban Carroll during his slump. And I'd like to mention, I mean, Jalen Williams is a big part of why the Thunder are where they are right now. I mean, his defense has been phenomenal this season. And then offensively, I mean, the dude's just consistent. I mean, yeah, looking at point totals, it doesn't look like a whole lot. It's four, 14 points, but, I mean, he's consistent. He doesn't fold. And then he's consistent on both sides of the court. If I had to vote, I'd give it to Jalen Williams. I, my vote definitely goes to Jabari Smith, like I said. Rookie, no, never been done before. As a power forward, which is Paolo Bancaro's position, how come Paolo didn't break those records? If he's supposed to be the rookie of the year, he's supposed to be the best, that is the best rookie, the most outstanding rookie, the best rookie impact on the court. Why is, one, your argument for Jalen Williams. They're in the playoffs. He was a crucial player to get them there. Okay? It's a regular season award, sure. So why do you not have the guy with 1,000-plus points, 500-plus rebounds, 50-plus blocks, and 100-plus three-point made, who is the first to ever do that, all in the regular season, over a guy who just had too much hype since the beginning of the year? I'm with you, pal. I'm on your side here. Talk to the beat writers. Talk to the voters. Well, Get the message out there. There you go. The Hashtag out there. Jabari Smith Jr. Now, anything else you want to mention before we talk about the play-in games? Nothing really off the off the cuff that I could think of. All right. Hawks Heat, any surprises there for you? Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely. So, I don't... The Heat didn't even play bad defense. The Hawks were just making ludicrous shots. I mean, how many floaters falling down did Trey Young make? You know what I mean? Like, they were just making everything. There really wasn't... It wasn't bad defense that cost them to lose. It was really the Heat's bad offense. I mean, Kyle Lowry dropped 34 points as their leader. Tyler Hero was right behind him at 26. But their scheming and just play calling was just so bad. There were so many plays where guys were just standing there doing nothing while Kyle Lowry's taking a contested three and thankfully making them. But, like, what are you doing? This is game seven. And you're just standing around doing nothing. And they got outboarded significantly. I was going to mention that. You want to hear Clint Capello's box score? I know what it is. Four points on three shots. 21 boards, one assist. Um, only one foul, which is almost I get my one block. And then two blocks. Two blocks. Yeah. But, I mean, they also didn't get Bam involved at all in anything, it seemed like, which was very odd. I mean, yeah, Clint Capella is a great defender, but Bam Adebayo can spread the floor pretty well. 12 points on 12 shots for Bam, 9 boards, 4 assists. Yeah, like, you got to get him involved way more. Give me buckets, 6 for 19. Not great. You can't win like that when your best player shooting 6 for 19. <clears throat> no. Meanwhile, the Hawks, like you said, keep making crazy shots. Yeah, they were making everything. And then they had wide open threes. I mean, the Heat lost themselves that game. 
they had every right to win that game when they started. Even they battled back. They were playing great for a very short period of time. And they just could not stop after. They could go 10-1, to 1, be down seven points, and then it'd be a 15-point differential. Like, what happened? What happened in that 30 seconds? Just, I don't know. I think we're, I think it's time to see these players go to other teams. Probably time for the heat to blow up. I think so. Now, do the Hawks maybe steal a game or two from Boston? I don't think so. Clean sweep? I don't know if it, uh, they might get one or two, but it's the series is Boston's to lose. If they do what the Heat did, then yeah, they're going to lose. But I think we have way more consistency in Boston and way better defense consistently. So you're going to be relying on these circus shots again, and you're bound to not make them all a second time around. There's no way you went four games hitting your circus shots. At least second game from last night, Wolves, Lakers. That was just a terrible game. Honestly, tough to watch. Yeah. Both, both teams. I know Kendrick Perkins tweeted out and saying this was championship defense from the Lakers. It's Kendrick Perkins. They didn't play great defense. Through like the first half, the Wolves were shooting like 65%. Outrageous. Like they were not missing. They were hitting wide open shots. They were up 15 at halftime. And they just completely blew it. Fourth quarter, they looked like a different team. Nobody cutting, no ball movement. It was just Ant Edwards shooting up, wasting the entire shot clock. Yep. And keeping up a contested three with two seconds Which left. Which is so strange because I thought the acquisition of Mike Conley was going to keep the ball out of these guys' hands and make them play off ball. Conley played excellent. He got no shots in the last five minutes of yeah. regulation. I, it's poor coaching is what, it, is what I chalk it up to. Same old Wolves. They shot, I think, three for 17 in the fourth quarter. They had 22 turnovers altogether. Stupid ones, too. Inbounds passes that go over everybody's head out of bounds. Flashy passes that just were unsuccessful. Inexcusable. Yeah, I mean, it's people trying to do things that they're not comfortable doing and going for highlights. Now, credit, LeBron and AD played excellent. Absolutely. And we should see that for the remainder of the playoffs. Went to OT thanks to my boy Mike Conley hitting maybe the single most cold free throw that I've ever seen in my life. Point one to go, down three. He got fouled on a dumb foul by AD. First one hit the front of the rim, rolled in, next two pure. And OT, more the same. Turnovers, couldn't hit shots, couldn't do anything. Yep. I think I think the Wolves need to figure it out. I think it might be in need of a coaching change. Uh, definitely a scheme change. They still have a chance. Um, I like the matchup against the Pelicans. Don't really like the matchup against the Thunder if the Thunder win. But I think if the Pelicans win, I think the Timberwolves can secure that eight seed pretty easily. How about Lake Show and Memphis? Odds-wise, it's the closest series, at least. As it should be. I, I really don't know. And both teams are just super streaky. So it all just depends on... I'm, I'm going to say it depends on what their role players do. If Austin Reeves keeps up the fire, the Lakers probably win. If Desmond Bain and um, somebody else besides Dylan Brooks manage to put up 20 <laughs> points, I'll give the series to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, my question is, can A.D. and LeBron continue to play 45 minutes a game, put the team on their shoulders for a seven-game straight? Not for seven games. I think LeBron can. I just don't think it's a good idea for A.D. to do. 
And I know Shane's pulling up Kenny Lofton right now, but I don't know how much of an impact he'll have, honestly. But with little to no actual NBA experience, it's a lot tough to just throw him in a uh, playoff series and expect him to put up crazy numbers. I mean, he won G League Player of the Year. We've seen guys do that and come to the playoffs and play well, but in, it's just very unlikely. So I, what, it could depend on Kenny Lofton, whether or not the Grizzlies win the series. Wild card. <laughs> now, the first game tonight, the Raptors blew, and I think at the most with a 14-point lead, Bulls win by four. At the halftime right now, New Orleans up 63-57 over OKC. I think OKC can definitely close out that game. Uh, you need a second half from Shea. Only seven points on three of ten shooting. With 20 from Lou Dort on six of eight shooting. Don't sound surprised, first of all. Oh, I'm not. I was going to say, there's no surprise there. Lou, we know Lou Dort is that guy. We know Lou Dort's the man. Very balanced so far from New Orleans. 10 from Ingram, 15 from Trey Murphy. Already double-double from Valanciunas, 11-12. And then 15 from our your boy, Herbert Jones. Herb Jones, man. It's only Zion's here, right? Yeah, they'd probably not be playing in the play Now, do you want to go over the upcoming series at all? We were power rankings last week. We probably should. Now that the seeding's officially locked in, we can just do first round. Um, <clears throat> no chance your one seeds go down, right? No. Two seeds. Memphis, potentially. I can see Memphis falling. I don't really see Boston falling at all. Uh, the Warriors Kings is a sneaky fun. That's series. my must see series. Uh, the Knicks Cavs is a must see series. Uh, Lakers Grizzlies probably not going to be must see TV. Clippers Suns is going to be must see TV. So great series. The only one that I don't really care for is uh, Lakers Grizzlies. Uh, the Nets and Sixers could be fun. Definitely should be. Shouldn't be. But, but playoff Sixers. There's, yeah, a, never yeah, there's a strong <laughs> chance that that's a fun series. Hawks-Celtics, again, shouldn't be, but it will be because the Hawks do hit those circus shots and get on streaks where they cannot miss anything. So, yeah, it's going to be a very fun first round. With that, let's go NFL. We do have some news. Some significant news, finally. And I'm, I'm itching for fantasy talk. I can't wait. Uh, as soon as the draft is over. It's research. Go time. Boom. Fantasy Talks of the Week. We're going to spend probably 20 to 30 minutes an episode on fantasy alone every week. I'm stoked. Stoked, I should say. Yeah, and honestly doing this, and we'll also take entries for our Sports and Stogies Fantasy League. What's the limits now? 10-team league? 12-team? Uh, 12 max, uh, no less than 10. Agreed. So definitely not more than 12, though. We'll get there. We'll get there. But, yeah, we'll talk about that probably the week before the or the week of the draft. Yeah. And then get right into fantasy talk. All right, first things first. A huge signing in Baltimore. OBJ. Contract chain, I know it's up to 16 mil. It's up to 18. Up to 18. Yeah, with uh, 3 million incentives. I know it's one year, 15 mil. He got 13 mil signing bonus, pretty much 14. So... Pretty much confirms Lamar back to Baltimore. He's definitely going to play. 
I love the signing, but it, it makes me question what makes you want to pay a wide receiver this much, but you won't just pay your quarterback. Uh, that's a very valid question. It's give and take because Lamar basically personally brought in OBJ. Yeah, but like... This dude, is a move to, to please Lamar. Exactly. So maybe they can come to an agreement at some point this year, but he will play on the tag now for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And with it being his personal recruit, he's very excited about it. Finally having a true wideout one. You see OBJ coming back to his prime self? Maybe not prime. Uh, we saw OBJ play very well the last year he was healthy. I think he had over 1,000 yards and around eight touchdowns to Baker. And then helped the Rams win the Super Bowl. And then well, up until he got injured in the Super Bowl, he was on the upswing again. So, if he, I mean, he's had a two seasons to, well, a, a full season and an entire offseason to rehab his leg. So, he should, by all means, be 100%. I know you love that, especially for Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay. Seeing them in their true wide-out two roles, we should see an upswing in their usage rates. We should see an upswing in their statistics. Kind of excited about that for Sleeper of the Week. And it should help Mark Andrews as well. It should help Mark Andrews. Because we're still going to see Mark Andrews probably be the number one option. Odell will be the second option. He'll be the first wideout option. And then you have Duvernay, who we saw very successful as a wideout one last year. We'll see him move to the wideout two, and we'll see Bateman in the slot. That is scary. Bateman is a specimen. He's a very big, very fast, very athletic wide receiver. And now being in a slot position, you got Bateman over the middle. You got Bateman running a seam with Mark Andrews on the other side. Could be very dangerous if he stays on the field. They're all covered. Guess what? Lamar scrambling for 65. Exactly. Their, their offense is very dangerous. On paper, again. On barring, paper. Barring injuries. Uh, just, we obviously don't have any film, but their offense is very dangerous. And maybe they bring in somebody else in the draft. Very possible. Another weapon to plug in there. Very possible. How about the Jeff Okuda trade kind of out of nowhere? Very weird. Uh, I would have loved to see Okuda and C.J. Gardner-Johnson play together after Okuda played pretty well last year, all things considered. Um, not the best as a defense as a whole, but I kind of love it for Atlanta. Atlanta's slowly but surely sneaking up to winning offseason. Like it for Okuda, too. I do. Yeah. Now he has help across the field in A.J. Terrell. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons are getting scary, especially out of that division. I really think they got him for a steal, too. Yeah, fifth-round pick. A fifth-round pick. I mean, come on, man. I, I would expect at least a third four. So what I heard from Lions fans was, they we're not going to pick up his next-year option. And I guess they didn't love the way he played that stretch. But again, you brought in new guys in the offseason. You're going to draft probably at least one more corner. You know hey, what? If you, you know get a fifth, so be it. You know what he's capable of, and you can see that be more consistent. The guy's been in the league for, yeah, drafted in 2020. He's the third overall pick. He's only been in the league two years, and you're already chalking it up to when he's had no defensive help. Now he's only the second three or higher pick to be traded in his third year. You know the other one. Ooh. It's been recent. Quarterback. Baker? Not no, Baker. No, Same draft, though. Darnold. Sam Darnold. Legend. 
Not Rosen? Um, I don't, was he top three? Uh, no, oh, yeah, no. I think he was like yeah, five was or six. Baker, uh, somebody else, and then Darnold. And, Darnold. and then Allen went after Darnold and Baker. Retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson went after everyone else. God, dude, could you imagine being the Cardinals and picking up Josh Rosen? At the time, it didn't look horrible. At the time, it didn't. But that's but what. That's why you play the games afterwards. Yep. Speaking yep. of the Cardinals, I know they're in talks of shopping there. Uh, they three have been there. answering all the calls. Uh, makes sense. They don't really. They're not looking at a quarterback. They. I mean, you're going to take a wide out, but you know the top. Depending on who you trade to, you know the top five are going QBs. Uh, maybe even potentially out to the seven, they're all hunting for QBs. You trade back to the eight, nine, ten, even further back if you get, or if you take the eight, nine, ten, and another first rounder, or early second round, or yeah. early second round, you can get easily get a good running back and a good wideout. Also, I didn't write it down, but former Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury. Oh yeah, he's joining. He's a coach. Going to be the quarterback coach for USC. With Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Back from, uh, where'd he go? Taiwan. Taiwan, Taiwan. right? <laughs> good for him. Hey, I think he's where he belongs as a quarterback or offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's very good at those two roles. I think he could do it in the NFL, too. But coaching for what can be a very successful USC team is very good for that coaching resume. With um, reigning Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, right? That is correct. Not a whole lot of coaching you can do with him, man. No, you just look good. Build your resume, Cliff. Well done. Um, Saquon came out today. Said he's not signing a tag. Kind of out of the blue. Still weird because he's only, again, he's only asking for $16 million a year. I don't think that's a whole lot. Not when you just gave Danny Dimes $35 million a year or whatever. Who? Oh, sorry. He's Danny Dodgers. Yes, he is. Um, you can afford it. You have no other. Stars to sign, you might as well lock him up. If I'm the New York Giants, I don't have a problem forking up 15, 16 million a year. Throw some incentives on it so he has to play to earn his full contract. I'm sure, he doesn't care. I don't see what the issue is. That's he always was, money, apparently. He was crucial for them going to the playoffs. Without a doubt. Without him, they do not go to the playoffs. We've seen Danny Dimes without Saquon how many times? And he was just Danny Penny's back then. <laughs> yeah, hit that. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys have heard my takes about paying wide receivers, but I mean, Saquon's an exception. You you see what is he? I'd say so. I know what he meant. I would say so too because he is not a wide receiver. Or fuck, running he's very backs. Pass catching back though. He is, but he's also backs. dominantly a run first. I meant backs. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, I don't. If you're going to give Danny fucking dimes, what, 35 mil a year, four years? Yeah, what, 40? I think it was 40. 42. 40. Yeah. That's going to look really bad. But yeah. Maybe. About Saquon, well. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let you go and draft a guy that performs to that. Unless you Not to that level, to but your hands level. on B. John Robinson. I don't think you're going to have somebody who. Oh, I've heard a lot about. Plays to that I think his name's Gibbs or something. Uh, yeah. Projected to be maybe the best, at least scouts are saying. Scouts are saying he's going to be the best dual threat back in the league the second he's drafted, no matter where he goes. Wow. 
And I don't think he's projected first-round pick. I don't think so. He's definitely projected the second running back now. But I think the fall-off after Bijan is very significant. Maybe that's what the Giants do. I still pay Saquon, but that's just me. I'm not a Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, last but not least, draft-wise, Bryce Young has skyrocketed to the number one overall projected pick. He's now a minus 300 favorite. Yeah. Again, all the talk pre-draft about Stroud, uh, Tony Richardson, not as much Will Levis. We, we kind of knew that it was going to be Bryce Young. Honestly, we did. We know it's going to be probably Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, then Will Levis, most likely. Kuyper's last mock draft had the first five picks, all quarterbacks. I know uh, Hendon Hooker's draft talks are really heating up. He's starting to climb on the uh, Draft, uh, draft boards. His recoveries look great. So, uh, speaking of recoveries, Brees Hall looks like he's going to be playing week one. Fantasy, baby. Come on now. Fantasy uh, time. I know he's one of your keepers. Right? Yes, he is in that one league. Yeah. I got him or Chris Olave, which... Ooh, that's tough. It is tough now. But if he's coming back healthy week one, you can't not do a Brees Hall, right? Man. There's no question, man. Unless he re-injures. Pray that he God does it. But uh, that was knocking on wood, in case you guys were wondering. Very well-made wood. Yes. He's due for a shout-out, right? Uh, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Our table was handcrafted by none other than the Brian Noble. BTP. The BTP. Um, reach out to him on Facebook. I'm sure he's still doing it. I know he was back-ordered like 30 tables. Uh, he said, I can't tell you. I don't know how. I don't know how everything's going. But I know he's been hard at work. So. Made to order. Totally for And not just tables now either. He's doing all kinds of stuff. So yeah, give a shout. Anything else you got NFL-wise? Um, oh, the asking price for A-Rod has been officially set. Apparently. The, well, the Packers came out and said they want this year's second-round pick, next year guaranteed first-round pick. I don't think that's a big ask. No, it's pretty reasonable. What are the Jets uh, waiting for? It's better than multiple first-rounders of any sort, even if they're 20-25 and 20-26. Not to mention, you get A-Rod, assuming you played very well, next year's first-round pick, you've got like a 25 spot overall. Yeah. That's definitely worth it. Yeah, I mean, you did the you did what you did this year with Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White. Now, A-Rod elevates you to a whole new level. I don't care what anybody says. Who's saying otherwise? I mean, yeah, he had a down year. Twitter, maybe. Whatever. But he's still one of the most elite quarterbacks in the league. And with those weapons, would perform very well. And again, maybe still more weapons to come, depending on what they do in the draft. Um, with that, let's take our first quick break here, Shane. Come back with Cigar Notes. Actually, me and Cam are almost done. I might double down here with a little firecracker. Hey, second half of the show. We'll come back with cigar notes, UFC talk, baseball talk, and of course the old usual segments. You back after this. Watch a lot of old school comedy too because of impressions and yeah. whatnot. Like guys playing characters, I guess not as much impressions. Yeah, yeah, um, characters, but characters. they're doing impressions. Yeah. Okay. When we say playing a character, are we talking about like a Borat type thing or what? I'm talking like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. Okay. Okay. Uh, great. That is a great comedy. Great. That's that's my number one. That's you your number one? Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with Borat. I think it's hilarious. Save it. Oh we're on. We're on. 
Oh, already on? Yeah. Yep. Well, all right. Uh, all right, so we're talking about our favorite movie comedies of all time. If you hadn't already picked up on that. Well, I was a little bit late to the party. Austin Locked In, Tropic Thunder, Shane Locked In, Borat. I'm, oh, man. Movie-wise, it's a little harder for me. It's time I to go just one. I like a lot of stand-up. And I, movies, I'm more invested in stories also. So... You know, I like Step Brothers a lot. I think that's a great story comedy. It's my number two. That's a good pick. Yeah. So I'd probably say either Wedding Crashers or Step Brothers my number one. I'll lock in Step Brothers. Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw Happy Gilmore in there. Great story, great comedy. That's true. Yeah. You could go even his favorite Sandler movie. Oh. Or favorite Sandler comedy. Sandler? Uh, I think Anger Management is my... I'm a big daddy fan. Uh, big, yeah, big, big, big Daddy fan. Oh, dude. Uh, what am I trying to think of? Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the classics. Or Waterboy. Waterboy's good. Can never go wrong there. No. Story-wise, especially. Yeah. Might be the best story Adam Sandler film, other than maybe Uncut Gems. Yeah, like dramatic stuff. Yeah. Uh, dude, I know it's newer, but the... Um, Bedtime Stories? No, Murder Mystery. Oh, yeah. Those are good movies. I think the second one just came out or is about to. Yeah, I just watched it, uh, I think, over the weekend with Abby. It was pretty solid. I liked it. It's fun. It is. It's lighthearted. Now, Cigar Notes. Cigar Notes. Again, I'm smoking the EP Carrillo Pledge. Uh, Like I said, we're about done. I'm at the number level. Uh, Second, third, full of black pepper, licorice, some dark chocolate, a little bit of hay. Uh, kind of transferred into a creamy cedar. The licorice stuck. The licorice and dark chocolate stuck around. So I like the creamy aspect more than the black pepper. I don't think the black pepper really collides with those other two flavors as much. But the creamy cedar and the licorice and dark chocolate are just mm, delicious. I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I do. Uh, you want to go ladies? Uh, go ahead and do yours. I forgot to write those. So I had the Sanj Patel SP1014 Red. This was the, I think, 6x50 I had. So the standard Toro size. Um, flavor-wise, pretty consistent throughout. But that cedar note, some slight pepper. I got more coffee as I smoked through it, though. Yeah, just a hint of chocolate. And that kind of hay, wheat, barnyard note stayed, uh, stayed all the way through. So my rating-wise, I'm going to go appearance, definitely a 9. Very well made, especially considering it's like a, like a boutique brand, where it's much more small scale. Got to give them props there. Burn, no issues. I give a solid 9. Draw as well, also a 9. Could have been a little bit looser, but smoke production was solid. Nice, strong, tight white ash. A nice thick white smoke as well. Flavor-wise, I'm going to go 8. Not quite my favorite profile, but for what it was, did it very well. It came together perfectly. And then personal, another 8. For a grand total of 43 out of 50, which fits into our got to buy a box, have it on hand, whatever that category is. Yeah. Definitely go out and get one. Price especially for like $8. You really can't beat it. So I got my grades in. Draw was a 10. Uh, Perfect draw. Not a single thing that I could have wanted it to do better. Uh, Flavor was an 8. Like I said, the second third kind of threw me off with the combination of black pepper, licorice, and dark chocolate. Uh, burn was an eight and a half. Had a couple relights, a couple, but that was my fault. Uh, the appearance was an eight. Uh, very good, sleek, oily wrapper. Had a crack here and there. 
Uh, that was the only downfall. Personal eight and a half. Uh, good smoke production. Uh, the crack again caused some issues at the beginning. Uh, me letting it go out kind of dwindled that personal down. Overall, 44, which does fall in that must have one on hand. Let me check what I gave it. I might be the exact same. So, yeah, you do have your uh, journal right there, ready for action. Shane, what are your thoughts on your Perdomo? So, I had the, uh, the Perdomo Estate Selection. Flavor was really nice. It started out pretty sweet, got into some earthier notes, and then got a little hint of spice towards the end. But uh, I had to put it out early. I got a little bit of a uh, unravel. It's always the worst. It is. Um, you know, it's probably something I did. Didn't really think about, you know, taking the label off too early. But uh, regardless, solid cigar before the unravel. It happens, you know. Can't uh, can't hold it against Perdomo or that stick. Oh, absolutely not. Perdomo makes a quality stick. Uh, I gave the pledge of 45. Oh, okay, so, so we're right there. Great minds think alike. Some would say. It's time for UFC talk. Uh, UFC slash combat sports, because our leading story is the Jake Paul Nate Diaz confirmed August 5th boxing match. Uh, one of the few retired UFC fighters I think will do very well in boxing. He's a natural boxer. And he kind of just did that throughout his entire UFC career, other than the weird choke. I don't even know <laughs> what was going on in that fight. That was such a fun, weird fight to go out on in Nate Diaz style, but <clears throat> curious to see how Jake Paul bounces back after a loss against the uh, uh, Tommy Fury. Yeah, first time seeing him have to face that adversity. Yeah, and make a rebound. I know Nate Diaz is going to get paid a boatload of money for this. Absolutely, as he should, and it should be a very entertaining fight. Nate Diaz has eaten punches from the best strikers in the world. No chance he's knocked out. I don't think so. Does he knock out Jake Paul? I don't think so. Goes the distance. To, I think it'll go to the distance. It's an eight-round fight. I think it's, what, two-minute rounds? Yeah, they kind of change the rules whenever they want. Yeah. Two, two-thirty, I think. So, I think Diaz definitely has the cardio. I don't think his cardio should be in question. But Jake Paul does throw a mean hook. So, well, like I said, like you said, natural boxer. He's in this natural habitat. I think he's going to shine. I'm actually most looking forward to the press conferences leading up to that. Nate Jake Paul, he picks the opponents very well to market these fights, and who better to go with than Nate Diaz? Uh, that'd be just as good as going with McGregor. Pretty much. You have so, a date on that? Has that been announced? August 5th. August 5th. So, Are we, do we have to be off that day? I was like, my other cigar, I got a little I don't know, but I'll watch it either way. Pay-per-view, baby, of course. Absolutely. Speaking of pay-per-views, UFC 287. Hell of a card. Very entertaining. Uh, front to back. Front to back. A lot better top to bottom than I thought it would be. But there was just war after war. Rob Font and... Uh, Adrian Yanez. Adrian Yanez was an absolute war for that minute, 30 seconds or whatever it was. That was one of the best knockouts I've seen in quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nobody... I mean, they were talking about it the whole time. Rob Font has the best jab probably in UFC history. He can knock someone out with a right jab. And once that starts connecting, it just opens up the entire world for combination. He threw a right hook, uppercut like combo. Like right upper hook? Yeah. It's definitely the craziest 
punch I've ever seen thrown. Um, obviously, I want to talk about Izzy and Alex, but I'm sure I think uh, the Ponza Nibio fight was a little controversial. Maybe an early stoppage, you thought? I thought, and I still think. I know everybody's. It is hard for a ref after a face down like that, but even Ponzinibbio said he was just listening for Jones in his corner. There was only one punch thrown in the sort of ground and pound kind of thing, so he didn't really have a chance to regain his guard either. But we'll see Ponzinibbio probably climbing his way back up to the ranks anyways. Ah, uh, yes and no. It's just kind of his last run. He's like, I think he's 36 now. Getting knocked out like that especially is tough to come back from. Mm-hmm. He was knocked out. Come on. Mm-hmm. He was out on his feet before his head hit the ground. Before his face hit the ground. He got knocked down. Brutally. I'll give you that. He got knocked down. On a great strike from Kevin Holland. Very good. Like, yeah, nothing against Kevin Holland. He was fighting very well, throwing very creative strikes and landing pretty much everything. But, yeah, I don't think they should have stopped it. One of my favorite fighters, too. Kevin Holland? He fights all the time. Yeah. He'll fight anybody. And he loves his striking matches. Also, maybe one of the best guys on the mic in the sport right now. Yeah. Definitely. I was funny he called out Masvidal, which probably won't happen now. Yeah, Masvidal retired. He's probably going to go full on and investing in his game-bred boxing. As he should. Which is amazing, by the way. I mean, he had Vitor Belfort, uh, Roy Jones Jr., right? I believe so. I think he's in that promotion now. So, yeah, he's definitely got some stars. They're getting paid well. They're doing well as far as pay-per-views go. Uh, props to him for starting that up. So, bottom of the card, the first, the featured prelim was Kelvin Gastelum and Chris Curtis. Gastelum looked as the best he's looked since that Izzy fight, when he almost beat Izzy before he was champ. Good to see him back finally in true form. Maybe one more run on the title, or at least top contention. And it's weird because he's a guy that doesn't look that athletic. You know, he's a little doughy. Yeah. Pretty wide. But solid ground game when he wants to use it, and he really showed striking in that fight. He did, and it was very good striking. Against a giant man against Chris Curtis. Looks like a linebacker. Yeah, very scary guy to go up against on the feet, for sure. But, um, like I said, great fights top to bottom. Uh, honestly, in hindsight, every fight was must-watch. A couple weird split decisions could have gone either way, but not a, not a single point fight on the card. You had Raul Rosas Jr. losing to Chris Rodriguez. Now my question is, and Rodriguez talked about it post-fight, this kid's 18. Oh, yeah. Should he take two years off, hone his craft, and then come back and start fighting the best of the best in the UFC? I think so. I think that's his best move. I know Jorge said the same thing. Cejudo has said the same thing. Um, There's a lot of... It's very hard for a guy that young to be the top of the top of the food chain, but yeah, I think he can definitely come back from that. I think even just a year. I know he's still in high school. Like finish up high school, let UFC be the only thing on your plate. You're going to dominate. 
you learn more fight styles. You're able to hone your striking in because that was his downfall. Uh, his jujitsu is obviously already on the next level. He doesn't, I mean, just keep up the training on that and really focus in on your striking. He could be one of the best of the best. He looked incredibly good the first three minutes. Yeah. I thought he was going to have a finish there. But he went so hard, so fast, kind of burned himself out. And that's another thing, just working on cardio. on cardio, working on when to push that gas pedal instead of just being on it the entire time. I mean, we can't all be shot cop. <laughs> no, no, we can't. <laughs> and they mentioned it during the fight. It's tough being that young and fighting against a guy that has 70 years experience already in the UFC. Yeah, and I mean, even like, say you've been fighting since you were 10. Say you've been fighting since you were three. Like you're talking 15 years of experience over guys who have 20 plus minimum. And like, when you have vets like Masvidal, Cejudo, Sterling, all these guys telling you, take a step back, finish up school, do all the stuff you need to do where this can be your primary focus. You have nothing else on your plate. That is how you become the best of the best. At the very least, a great learning experience for him to finally face some real adversity, to learn what it's like to be down, have to fight your way back up. To learn, to learn what it's like to lose. It's only going to make it better. Yeah, that's very important. We'll see how he bounces back, but I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I agree. Again, potential, the sky's the limit. Take time off, get better. And come a year, two years from now, I think we'll see him again on another pay-per-view. And, you know, coming from two out-of-shape guys who've never fought their entire lives, who better to <laughs> take advice from, you know? Maybe besides like Masvidal, who the other guys you mentioned. Uh, well, you know, whose advice are you really going to listen to? Your potential opponents who maybe just don't want you to fight them now exactly or two guys who have no no hand in the game nothing just pure fans and analysts just covered the sport <laughs> i think you're going to take our side so let's go hospital let's talk gilbert burns and morning better than i expected agreed i thought it'd be a pretty quick fight in um, burns favor yeah i did too Masvidal is just his one downfall. His whole career is that stance. That planted front leg is just, it's great for boxing. I think he could have been an amazing boxer. And his boxing in the UFC is amazing. I mean, he throws creative kicks. Uh, he went for the flying knee like 30 times. He fainted <laughs> the flying knee, which is very impressive. Um, but... And that planted front leg just is so... When people switch stances constantly, like Gilbert Burns does, it is so difficult to defend with that stationary, planted stance. I don't even really know how he draws power. It's weird, but he does it. Like it's, it, again, it's very impressive, but that was his downfall his whole career. 20-plus years in the UFC. I mean, you got... 10 plus years experience in street fighting, which is probably where he developed that habit. A bad habit to have. But what better way to go out than on your own terms? On your own terms, you didn't get knocked on your back. You didn't, you weren't asleep when they called the winner. You fought well. In front of your home crowd. In front of your home crowd for the second time in his career. Uh, Definitely you felt the love from Miami. You felt his love for Miami. No better way to go out, honestly. And he went out in Masvidal style, taking shots in the face, and he'd smile and trying to wave Burns on. I think Burns could have knocked him out in the third, 
but I think he maybe it's in Jorge's hometown. I don't want to put him out. He showed respect to a fan. Oh, absolutely. Guy that totally earned yeah. his spot. One hundred percent. And I think both guys stock rose. Jorge's retired, most likely. I would like to see him on Austin Fighter. As a coach? Yeah. I'm all for it. I don't know who you could who you'd match him up with, but I would love to see it. I mean, the dream is Colby. Uh yeah. It's probably not gonna happen, but that would be oh, that would be very heated. You thought Chandler Connor's gonna be good? Colby Jorge would be great. Probably the best ever. Yeah. I don't know. Vanderlei and Chael. <laughs> yeah. Hard to beat. That was classic. Hard to beat. I can't let you get close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the main event, which absolutely stole the show. Didn't quite go the way we thought it would. Uh, that's how I thought it would. Just like that? Not Maybe not the In that exact, exact fashion. sequence. But, I mean, I watched a... I watched a... I watched Cejudo's breakdown of it, then I watched a boxer's breakdown of it, and I think the boxer nailed it. Hit the nail right on the head with that one. He said... He did exactly what he said. He played possum. He backed up into the cage. He knows when he does that, Pereira's going for the finish. Yep. And that first overhead hook. Right in the temple. Right to the temple was just the most well-placed, perfect strike ever for him. And the second one didn't even look like it was that hard to finish him off. And that, that, that pretty much last, last hammer fist came but down. That one hammer fist. He put all that revenge, all yeah. that vitriol. And again, nothing but respect between the two fighters when it was all said. Love to see it. I think they're two of the best champions we've ever seen in UFC. I think they're two of the most respectful fighters we've ever seen for their opponents, especially. Um, yeah, the taunting and stuff. His three arrows in, the hunter becomes the hunted. Loved it. I loved it. Him taunting his son, I loved it. Um, but at the end of the day, pure respect from both sides. I think Pereira moves up. I don't think he's really got anything left in middleweight. I think he'll be way better at a natural weight. I think his chin and cardio will be light years better. Just work on the wrestling. Work on the wrestling. And who better to coach you at that Division then Glover. They won a title at 205. I think Izzy, that was one of the best sports stories of all time. Oh. You have a dominant champ who beat pretty much the entire division. So you bring in his old nemesis, give him a quick shot to the title, and he goes down. He's got to face adversity. He's, not, he's lost three fights now with Pereira. He's in his head. He's the boogeyman. And he puts the work in, he comes back, and to get that kind of knockout, in that environment, and then do those great celebrations and that great speech post-fight. Yeah. That's that's a movie script right there. Absolutely. That's like Rocky or some shit. Yeah, it's almost like Trout versus Otani. Full count, yeah. walk-off available, you're down one. Yeah, I mean, you, can't, you cannot write a better ending than either of those two. And I'm so glad it went to a knockout, too. It had a, to. a decision wouldn't have had the same weight. No, it would not have. Especially when he's knocked you out two of the three times he beat you. Yes. When you were winning those fights. Exactly. It's a cherry on top. Yeah. So now you just went in and completely owned it. Best of all, I thought there's no talk about a trilogy fight. Me too. You know, bring something new on, let Pereira move up where he belongs, and let somebody else come fight Izzy. Yeah, I saw Jan 
said he would come down to middleweight for a title shot. Was he serious, though? I don't know. He posted a pic of him smoking a cigarette and drinking some whiskey, I think. I said 185 here at Convert, something along those lines. I could see it. It'd be tough for him to cut. At that age, especially. But I think he could do it if he really put his mind to it. Yeah. Is it worth it? You already beat him in your division. So. What else you got to prove, y'all? But the problem is, is who, I mean, who's left in the middle one? Among the top ten, pretty much nobody. Izzy has by far the most wins against guys in his division in the top 15. I think he doubles the second guy. There's really no clear up-and-comers that will get a quick track to the title shot. Maybe he fights Whitaker again. I don't really see the point there, but he's definitely the best in that division besides Izzy. <laughs> Izzy mentioned maybe he goes to 205 and fights yeah. Jamal Hill. Yeah, I can see that. If he actually puts weight on and takes it seriously... I want to see that fight, but if he goes in at 185 or 180, like he kind of walks around that, I don't know if that's really a great matchup for him. Yeah, the only problem with putting on the weight naturally is we'll see, you know, a couple years, a year of no Izzy like we did with John Jones. But John Jones kind of showed that's the way to go. I don't think Izzy can do that, though. He's always fought like three times a year. Yeah, but the problem is, is who do you fight? Let him fight the top two guys at the same time. I'll pay for that. Or imagine this. Talk about a movie script. 20 years from now, in some weird boxing league, Alex Pereira's son comes up and avenges his father's loss. I guess a 50-year-old Izzy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what I don't know what happens in the middleweight division. I know Izzy's still gonna be active, he's gonna fight whoever. So just start throwing guys at him again. There's been close fights. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. So, just keep throwing guys at them. Maybe somebody takes it. Now, with that, we have a pretty solid fight night card. It's a solid main event this Saturday. Legend Max Holloway against Arnold Allen. Kind of thinking he might be on his way out after this one. Yeah, he's been there. It's tough to say because he's gone against you know, uh, Volk you know, three times. And that's yeah. the number two now pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. And, and uh, not a good matchup for Max anyway. No. But he's without a doubt the best boxer in the sport. Definitely his division. I would but, like to uh, see Max retire after this and go to Gamebred or uh, Jake Paul's fighting organization. Why not? Let him go get paid even more. Yeah, just go box, man. Any any quick prediction, Max? Uh, give me Arnold Allen. Decision? Probably, yeah. Max is not getting knocked out or knocked uh, out. Yeah, no. I think only Poirier knocked him out, and that was when Max went up to a weight class. Yeah. So at 145, nobody's knocking him down. Is it time now for baseball talk? Finally, yeah. I think we're about due. I know we skipped it last week, so. Well, that was a long, uh, unorganized show to the point. A lot of uh, pent-up rage and fun times and from opening week. <laughs> I want to start with the best hitting team on the planet, your Blue Jays, led by maybe the best hitter of all time. Matt Chapman. Uh, he is offensively, the Blue Jays have been great. Uh, Bo Bichette's been kind of a liability. He's got like three errors already. That happens. Uh, I mean, you've seen it. He's just trying to do two flashy of plays on easy, found, like just a nice scoop and throw is all we need, but he's front flipping into the, and then reaching backwards because he front flipped past the ball to try and pick it up and throw from his left hip 
backwards. He turns a routine play into a hard one. Yeah, for no reason. And when it works, it looks cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're going over the top, though. But it doesn't work all the time. But he's hitting 370. He's hitting great. Again, I was not worried, but I thought the Blue Jays hitting was going to go way up with, you know, Bichette being a contact hitter with power when he gets a meatball right down the middle. You got Chapman, who's just going to hit a home run a game, probably. You got Vladdy, who you throw him in the strike zone. He's probably going to spank it to the wall and get a single. He's not very fast. Although I did see him <laughs> steal third. Yes, he did. Which is blew my mind. When I was watching it, I was playing. Uh, I was playing on my computer at the same time. I was multitasking, and I heard the announcer say, "And there goes Vladdy the third. And I was like, "Somebody get a hit!" And I'm like, "No way." Vladdy just stole third. It's always the unexpected. Uh, we saw Matt Chapman try to steal third tonight. Got thrown out. It happens. Um, when you're hitting 570, you can afford to get thrown out of third. It's ridiculous, honestly. Uh, our biggest downfall right now is pitching. Even Manoa kind of got tagged. Uh, Manoa got tagged up with, uh, I think he had a 6.9 ERA when he finally stepped out. But he's no Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett might be the worst pitcher in the United <laughs> Like, go up. In the first inning, he'll give up six runs. You'll be down. And then he'll throw whites out for the next three innings. But after the first inning, he's at 57 pitches. And he's just throwing slider, meatball down an 81 mile an hour right down the middle. Or walking guys. And then somebody just hits a two, three run homer. <laughs> and there's no mound beating. They're not, they're, oh, no, he's got this. He's got this. It is absurd. Besides Kevin Gosman, who's been great so far. And I think a closer, too. He's got four saves already. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Garcia's pretty good. Simber, the bullpen's playing great. But when you're down seven because you're starting pitching, not to come back from that. But, uh,. Yeah, we're developing news here that you might. But the mixers, what? Maybe it didn't actually turn off. It looks like it just. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're, we're still good. We can that was that. about a heart attack and a half. Yeah, that was a. Well, maybe we don't even have to cut it. We're good. No, no, it's no, still rolling. So yeah, yeah make we're sure good. we're still full charge and everything. Yeah, we're good. The laptop just had a little poop break. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. That would have been an hour and a half down the drain. Oh, dude, I'd be so upset. I think. There's no, like, autosave feature, is there? No. no. Well, I mean, the mixer is still, no, because it's not saving locally. We, we have, have no SD card. card. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll invest in one of those. Yeah, we definitely um, need to after best care. Or just a new laptop. Oh, I have yeah. mine in the car. Well, we can do a shot next week. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. But anyways. Um, what do you think of the rule changes so far? I love them. Uh, we have seen the return of small ball. Stolen bases way up. Uh, we've seen teams losing because of terrible base running. I mean, we've seen teams winning because of great base running. We're, this is baseball. Hits are up slightly. It's going to keep going up. But even more than that, I fucking love the pitch clock. Oh, my goodness. It's great. Players it's, are pretty much adapted already. There's maybe one violation a game, if that. But, oh, my God, there's so much more action, so much quicker. And, and it has, like, a more dramatic element, too. Pitches are a lot more, I mean, you got guys throwing three fastballs in a row now. They don't have time to mix it up. They're calling pitches on the fly. It's very fun. You can watch a 6-5 to five ball game in two hours and five minutes. Yeah. That's unheard of. 
why we didn't do this 15 years ago, I have no idea. Neither do I. The only problem is... Bumpires. Well, that's always been a problem. Maybe the live experience. Games yeah. are shorter, you're there for a short amount of time, still paying the same amount of money. And now teams aren't making as much from concession sales. Yeah, rumor has it they're going to start selling beer up until the 8th. Yeah, and opening doors earlier. Which is good. I totally agree, yeah. It also keeps fans in the stands, because instead of taking half an hour to go get a beer and a hot dog, you might miss two innings. Yeah. You can double fist, go in your seat, hang out there all day. Which for me, that's how I work ball games anyway. I think the live experience is better for certain people and worse for others. The old heads, pretty much. I think uh, the more overall overall fans are probably having a better better time, especially those that bring their kids to the game. Yeah, what kid wants to sit there for three hours and forty five minutes? Nobody. No, I did when I was a kid. And I love baseball. Yeah, exactly. My red legs, actually, not that bad. Surprisingly. You know, it's this still is, early. This might be a hot take, but I think Hunter Green needs to move to relief. I think of their three main starters, he's the worst one. I agree. Lodolo's filthy. Ashcraft might have the best stuff of the three. Hunter Green is a very one-dimensional. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in uh, one of their games. They were up like five, and Hunter Green just kept walking guys because they just stopped swinging. Even just today, they got two in the first inning off Spencer Strider. He's one of the best pitches in the game. Off the bat, Hunter Green gives the lead back, got another lead, gave it right back. Control's not there. That's the thing. I mean, you you get good control out of Hunter Green on those 100-mile-an-hour pitches probably for the first 25 pitches. If that. If that. After that, when you're not throwing anything else, it's just 100-mile-an-hour after consistently 12 of your 20 pitches are 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. You're not going to be able to keep that in the strike zone. Even if he locates, he really does not have a secondary pitch. That's the problem. And guys can hit 102 if they know it's coming. Yeah. Could you imagine if he had a sinker or a cutter? A good one, at least. A good one? Yeah. Or mix it up and throw an 81-mile-an-hour curve? Like His slider's decent, but he has no control over it. Exactly. See, I, I agree. I think he's much better suited as a closer or a setup guy, maybe. Kind of like the Yankees did with Chapman. He was dominant there for a while. But he was never trying to be a starter, though. Yeah, but I mean, the guys with that, with that as their pitching, are best suited as closers and relief pitchers. Also, I don't want my starter throwing 102 for six innings. No. He already had Tommy John once. It's only a matter of time until it happens again. Yeah, it's very bad on the body. Pump the brakes a little bit. Throw 97. That's still, if you have a secondary. A changeup or a slider, 97 will definitely get the job done. Yeah. And it's much less taxing on your arm. And you can locate it in the corners a lot better. Yeah. But again, what do I know? I'm just a fan. But lineup-wise, guys you really didn't know before, like Spencer Steer, Jake Fraley, Joey Bosler, who's playing first because Votto's still out, have all stepped up. Ben Solid, of the bullpen's trash. But what better way to fill that than with a potentially reliable Hunter Green? Yeah. Either way, they're not 1-11, so I'm, I'm happy so far. So far. Other team is not 1-11. The Tampa Bay Rays. 12-0. Uh, 12-0. The best uh, record, I think they tied the best record with like the 87 Brewers and the 82 Cardinals, maybe. And best run differential since 1890, 80. 1880. 150 years ago. 
Now, granted, they played three of the worst teams in baseball, but still. Hey, you beat teams in front of you, right? And you beat them handily. Very impressive. 162 0? Question mark. No way. <laughs> of course not. I think the best record ever is like 123. What? Which what? is still ridiculous. Say they go 20 and 0 for the first 20 games. Is that probably got to be the best of all time? Oh, but I think one more win will set that record. Maybe two more. To well, start the year off. Yeah. It should probably get. Nah, we'll see. A lot can happen in baseball. That's true. Either way, though, crazy start. Jordan Walker, Cardinals rookie. Crazy start. His 12th consecutive game with a hit. To start your career. Hasn't been done since 1912. Especially when your first hit was against Alec Manoa. There you go. And a beautiful double shot right on the foul line, deep back to the fence. Now, when I picked my rookie of the year, I don't know why I didn't go Cardinals. Classic Cardinal devil magic. Yeah. Of course he's going to produce off the bat. And probably all year. Should have known. But they were my World Series pick. Uh, Nolan Arenado's playing phenomenal. Uh, as usual. Goldie is playing great. Reigning MVP. I mean, their pitching staff's playing a lot better than I expected. So-so. Should be better as the season goes on. But we'll see. Luis Arias had the first ever cycle for the Marlins yesterday. Ending it with a single. They were the last team that didn't have one. Which is kind of weird to think about, but they're still a relatively newer team. Expansion team, I think, in 94, 95. He's hitting like 600 right now. Absurd. He was the reigning batting champ last year in the AL. The Marlins aren't great, but man, a guy like that, he'll make you go out and watch him at least. Yeah, definitely. That's an injury talk. O'Neill Cruz. Controversial broken ankle. I don't think it was malicious, but he slid in at home. The catcher kind of blocked the plate. He jammed his ankle up, and he's going to be out for at least two months, if not more. Yeah, I've seen two to four as a starting point. Especially being a shortstop. You really need your ankle strength and uh, yeah. mobility. And being, you know, six foot seven O'Neill Cruz, uh, being the best player on the Pirates, probably behind Brian Reynolds. For sure. Who, nice pull there. I'm proud of you. I really feel bad for him. Yeah. Because they're never going to let him go. Unfortunately. But, uh, hey, I told you, all I need is a couple weeks of baseball and I'll be fluent. How fucking great is MLB TV? Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Every single game besides the Reds, which is fine because I like them on the radio anyways. I've, I've watched most Blue Jays games at least a couple of days. You pretty much have a day game every game, every day. You can watch from 12.30 until 2 in the morning. All day, every day. So already in, what, two weeks the season has been going on? I've watched more baseball these two weeks than probably most of last year combined. And, me too, and now it's not a 30-minute monologue from Austin Hayes. It's bouncing back and forth, just like the rest of the show. The way it should be. The way it should be. Another uh, couple few injuries to note. Corey Seager had a hamstring injury strain. Nothing too serious. I know Adam Duvall broke his wrist. He was raking, too. Yeah. Red leg legend, by the way. Yeah. He's out for, again, two months, if not more. On a, probably a bad Boston team that needed him there, for sure. And, of course, you mentioned, actually you texted me, Brandon Woodruff. The Brewers, number two. 15-day IL retroactive to last week. Some slight shoulder inflammation. Nothing too severe, but <laughs> hit your shoulder. Always kind of scary. Could be a lingering uh, lingering issue. Any uh, fun team to notice so far? Fun players stood out? I mean, the Blue Jays are about as fun as it gets. 
entertaining for sure. Uh, the Rangers have been fun. Unexpectedly so, yeah. Uh, the, the Braves have kind of been in a slump. A lot of injuries, though. Uh, they'll go back. The Giants haven't been as fun as I expected. Yeah, but they're not meant to be a fun team. Yeah, they're definitely, like, streaky. Pitching heavy and not a lot of pop. Yeah. Uh, the Rays, obviously. The Rays, the Angels. Again, must-see TV. Shohei through seven, shut out innings the other night. Super fun. He's been raking. Trout's been raking. I love, uh, again, can't believe I'm saying it, love what the O's are doing. With Abby Rutschman, Gunnar Anderson, my boy Austin Hayes, left field player. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had a uh, go-ahead single the other night. Yeah. that uh, I have yet to let Austin Hayes get a hit on me and I'll be the show point to That's irrelevant. Just saying. I do it intentionally. I'll lose the game. <laughs> Just to make sure he doesn't get a hit on me. Have you ever hit him in the head? No. Never hit him. Really? I mean, what's never, the point? Don't, don't, don't let him take a base. He has never been on base against me. You played a rookie? No. Come on. No. no. I actually put my batting settings low, so the games are high scoring, but I put my pitching on whole thing. Yeah. When I play, I go backwards. Yeah. I want it harder to hit. Actually, I go harder to pitch and hit, I guess. Yeah, I but suck. I'm supposed to play at 14. I so. suck with the... Uh, Moving the zone to hit the ball with, so yeah. I just use timing, uh, which keeps my batters around like 270 to 300. Uh, the shift ban isn't until 2023. Oh, it's not the game yet. So, however, Xbox does have it on Game Pass for free, so I might download it on my computer. That's pretty dope. And hook up my controller. Pitch clock won't matter in the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm quick pitching every time, anyways. Every, every time. Throwing sinkers into the into the corners. You're painting the black. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so far, a great start to the year. Again, love the rule changes. Any other comments there, baseball-wise? No, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing, that's for sure. But it's time for the snicket. Some would say. Shane, what do you think? I'd say it's about time. I would agree. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's do You know what? I've been doing it like the past, what, month? I'd say Cam's oh, today. Let's slow down. It's not been that long. You've only been in like two and a half days. No. <laughs> hey, last show counts as like two. Well, that's fair. All right, we're closed. And we have. We have the. <clears throat> I cannot read that, actually. Let me take a look here. Oh, this is the Foundation Menelik. Oh, yeah. So I've only had one of, but as always, Foundation is my favorite brand. This might be my favorite one from them. I'm going to smoke a few more to verify. But if you can find one, worth every penny. As for cash, I got a little NBA thing lined up. Let's hear it. Took it nice and easy. I went playoff series winners. I'm going Sixers, Suns, Celtics, Cavs, Golden State, and the Grizzlies. I like 20, that. 20 bucks to win 80. Not bad. Pretty safe. Of course, you can't bet on the number one seeds yet, but I wouldn't conclude them anyway. It's such huge odds. Right. So, nice to say, I yet to win one yet this year, I think. So, we're due. We're due. Yeah. But if uh, LeBron maybe sneaks in there, I didn't go Knicks, Cavs. That's too close for me to call. You said you took the Cavs. Yeah, you said Cavs. You took Cavs. Which uh, I think contradicts my bet with you last week. Uh, no, I know. You went next. You went yeah. against your home team. Yeah. All right, the Cavs all the way, baby. Yeah, we doubled Clean down sweep. home Cavs. Clean sweep. Actually, if the Knicks win, we both owe Cam a cigar. 
More. Is it more? Yeah. Well, you, I know you still owe me too. Oh, wait, no, we said a uh, previous UFC bet. That's true. We said that if we win at Boyd's, if, or. Those two sticks void. Yeah. So you guys okay. will break even with me if the Cavs okay. win. So yeah, I don't it's, a, it's a win in my book. Yeah, it's a win-win for yeah. me. You're doing for a cold streak. It's been too long. I don't think that's possible. All right, wait, till it, wait till NFL starts back up. Oh, I can't wait for that. Oh, man. Only a matter of time. I'm so excited. You want to go like a draft bet? Uh, Not specific, but like, are the first five all quarterbacks? No way. No. I imagine. That'd be the first time ever. The Cardinals would have, depending on if the Cardinals trade out, if the Cardinals don't trade out, then that, that's completely wrong. There's sure. no way. Bryce Young's pretty much locked in for one. We'll, we'll figure something out. Figure something out. So let's go bums, because I want to end with close but no cigar. Okay. Oh, I get your first bum. Chris Bassett. <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, I had him last week. We didn't get that far, but uh, I'll probably be able to recycle him as like a Dylan Brooks kind of weekly guy if we need to. The Brooks Bassett combo. When in doubt, Chris Bassett is out. <laughs> Chris, I hope you turn him around, man. I really do too. I hope you hear this either. I hope you do, because maybe, uh, like I said, two out of shape guys that don't play professional sports at all, telling you you need to get it done. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Good motivation for sure. Yeah, because if I can tell you. That uh, what can your coach you need to get it done. What can a guy that's professional tell you? My first is the Seattle Mariners, who yesterday had a seven to nothing lead, like the third inning, and then lost fourteen to eight to the Cubs. Pretty bum one. By no means a powerhouse. I think we actually traded the Reds meeting. We traded our entire bullpen to them as well because oh. they're both portable. Checks out. <laughs> Second bum. I got the Dallas Mavericks. Or potentially tanking, but for pulling Luca in the first quarter in general, and just everything they did to miss the playoffs this year. Colossal choke. Yeah, big time. My second is on the same vein, the Timberwolves. With that horrible collapse, especially the fourth quarter against the Lakers. Checks out. Just for that, I hope you guys lose your next game too. I'm here for it. Am I close to no cigar? Is the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Heard of them? Probably not. They're a double A team that threw a no hitter and lost seven five. How does that happen? You say. Say that again. They threw a no hitter, but they lost seven to five. Let me lay it out here for you. They were up three zero in the last inning. Three zero. First guy walks. Second guy walks. And a pop out. There's one down. Another walk. Bases loaded, it's a strikeout. Two down. Another walk. Here's your first run. Then an air, three runs scored. Now you're losing. Then they hit three guys in a row. <laughs> Another walk, so. a wild pitch and score, and a final hit batsman. He had seven runs in the last inning. They got two back in the bottom half, but they still lose, even though they didn't allow a single hit. Trash Pandas were close to a dub, but no cigar. Oh, dude. Let's emphasize that trash on their name. Trash pandas. Yeah. yeah. Well earned. Can't take us on with some promo. Wrap up. Shout outs. Usually. <clears throat> so like I said at the beginning of the show, you know where to find us on social medias, uh, at Sports and Stogies, including a Reddit page. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Anything else you guys are on, let us know. We will make it. 
I can't promise you will be active on it, my face, but it will be me. Uh, please, again, leave reviews, whether that's Spotify. Even if you don't have comments, just leaving a rating is just as helpful. Uh, obviously, we prefer hearing from you guys what we need to change, what we need to work on. Uh, any additional topics, any additional segments. Uh, obviously, Fantasy Upcoming is going to be taking up a lot of time because we're both involved in pretty heavily in fantasy. So be mindful of that when pitching 20-minute segments, give or take. Um, please, please, please leave reviews. It will help us grow. It will help us get better equipment. It will help us invest more. It will help us get out on the road more. Get out on the road. It will help us get YouTube involved. It'll, it's all beneficial for everyone who enjoys the show, our, you know, our 32-episode fans, everyone supporting us. 35, technically. Um, technically, well, 36. Oh, yeah. Uh, will be this yeah. episode. So... It'll really help everything. Just the wheels are going. It's a well-oiled machine right now, but we are willing to adapt, and we want to add more for you guys to be more active with, you know, clipping out clips or maybe just taking. We sit down for three minutes before the show and make a TikTok with our camera and everything. Uh, that's we want to be able to do that stuff for you guys, and we. The support we have now is great. Uh, we're kind of slow at getting into new things like that and furthering what would be a, a technological headache, per se. But we want to be able to do that for you guys. We want you guys to reach out to us. Like I said, we do the fan questions. Uh, we'll, we will, we're reading reviews that we have now. Uh, we're trying to take everything into consideration and still keep it fun for us because that is the biggest thing. When it's not fun for us, we're not going to do it anymore. Um, but so far, we haven't had anything that's keeping us from having fun. It's just getting more fun as we go. And I think it's getting better. I think it's getting more natural, especially me learning more about baseball. definitely helps the MLB segment a lot more. Um you know, the addition of Shane, he's starting to get more comfortable on the microphone. Uh, we're doing this all for you guys and for us just to have fun. So thanks for listening. Shout out to the OCM for just being a phenomenal group. It's a drink. We have the, uh, <laughs> please, <not. laughs> we have the main event coming up in May, uh, May 20th in Newark at the Humidor. Uh, open to the public, $50 entry fee. Correct. And it lunch, cigar, entry drinks. fee is a donation to Southeastern Guide Dogs ticket and a raffle ticket as well. So, and they will have T-shirts available with our logos on them. Did you get yours? We are a sponsor. I still need to order it. I pre-ordered mine, but I'll definitely be getting in on that. So, yeah, big shout out to all you guys, all the fans, the people who've been rocking with us since day one, even since we were just a Facebook page. Uh, we really appreciate it, and. You know what we say? Can't we To the moon!